the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. This is episode 294. I'm Paul Spain. And I'm Bill Bennett. Bill, it's fantastic to have you back on the New Zealand Tech Podcast. It's been a little while. Actually, it's been a long while. It's been three months, I think. Yeah. Yeah. How are you doing? Oh, good now. <laughs> you weren't so well there for a while. You had a big uh, big cough going on a, on a few occasions when we chatted. That's right. And um, didn't want to ruin the podcast. <laughs> well, good to have you back. And uh, it's good that you're, uh, you're doing well. There's been all sorts of uh, quite a variety of things going on in the tech world from uh, local news within New Zealand and uh, and Bluetooth news from uh, Elon Musk and the um, master plan uh, part two Ford announcing some changes or some some improvements in their uh, connectivity to mobile devices. And we're also going to hear about a, uh, a ransomware gang who are claiming that uh, a Fortune 500 company hired them to uh, hack in and mess with their competition, amongst varying other <laughs> topics. So, uh, so let's jump in to start with. Now, there's there's been there's been a, a bit of action in the area of solar powered flight in recent times and uh, actually just this afternoon I saw the uh, the video of the the final sort of completion of the first sort of circumnavigation of the planet by a solar powered plane now it had varying stops and so on in between I think it's taken uh, best part of a year and a half to uh, to do that journey with its uh, with its varying stops but it's uh, just arrived back in uh, Abu Dhabi, where it uh, it started, but also in in that realm is uh, is Facebook, who looking, I suppose, to um, to see what they can do to smother the globe with uh, with internet signals. And uh, one way that they've talked about doing it, and this this appears to cross over a little bit with something that uh, that Google have been working on. Google, of course, with their Google Loons, their big massive size uh, balloons. Facebook's approach is uh, solar size uh, solar powered planes. And they've just in the, in the last few days done their full uh, f- first sort of test of a full sized solar power plane, and I guess the uh, the approach there is if they can get one of those that just is is entirely uh, solar powered and very efficient, then uh, it can uh, it can keep running and, and fly up there and distribute internet signals for uh, months on end. Yeah, right. What do you what do you think about this, Bill? Well, I'm, can I'm, that be true? I mean, how does it handle night and everything, yeah, exactly. everything, everything else? How does it I mean, handle how- winter? How does it handle clouds? I, and 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 the other thing that worries me about this is what spectrum are they going to use to do this? I mean, is it going to be a standard? Is it going to be some standard part of the spectrum? I, I mean, all those sorts of things. Look, the thing is, is people like Facebook and Google they've got a huge amount of money to play with, and they're playing with it. And, so, and that's not a bad thing. I mean, you throw these ideas out there and something, you know, throw enough stuff at the wall and some good stuff sticks. That's that's all very good. But it's really, um, I think I think when Google has a loon and Facebook has a plane, it's as much about generating headlines as actually solving problems for people. You know, the internet is actually quite nicely delivered by um, by 4G 5G LTE is is, is is an ideal technology for delivering it to places that can't be stuck on fibre or copper. I don't know why we need planes and loons and things really. I mean, it, perhaps if you're delivering it to someone who's in, stuck in the desert or whatever, maybe, but strikes me as doing it because we can rather than because we need to. Well, there's plenty of parts I, I, um, I guess, and it's, I mean, in New Zealand... It doesn't relate quite so much, but there are parts of the world where coverage isn't so great, and the concept of uh, of putting some some something up in the air to uh, to help with that, yeah, I can I can see some merit in it if they can actually make it if they can make it working, they can get all the science what? right, and if they're going to pay for it, although there, there's obviously been some uh, controversy around, well, um, Facebook's. 
sort of so-called free internet provision in, in the likes of uh, in the likes of India, and, where where it hasn't been as open and as broad no. as as what people want. So. Uh, big backlash, and again, and and Google's exactly the same. I mean, these sort of two companies that that would prob that would probably worry people in that sense. Um, and anyway, we've got satellites. I mean, if you re- if you're really remote, there's not much of the world that's not in some satellite footprint. I mean, I think I think there's at least you know coverage. Yeah, maybe if you're in the middle of Antarctica, you might need something. But I don't know. Sub-Saharan Africa apparently is the yeah. is the place. Four billion people. Four billion people. There are only about eight billion people, or seven billion people in the world. Yeah, I'm just looking at these figures, trying to put the numbers together. When you think that there's, uh, there's, uh, what is it, one point one billion or so in China, uh, yeah, similar numbers in in India. And I was reading this morning that five point five billion people over the age of sixteen now have a mobile phone. Right, so. You know, do I mean what? What four billion people are we talking about? This, <laughs> I'm I'm just quoting the Guardian here, Bill. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if they can pull something off and add to what we've got now and give it away for free, and it's really cool, then it could be good. But um, sometimes, sometimes free can actually compete with something much better yeah. and in fact make it so that it's not viable. So there could, there could be a flip side to them pulling it off as it could actually you know, negatively impact what, what might be there otherwise exactly. in terms of mobile networks exactly. and so on. Exactly. I mean, sometimes free is too high a price. <laughs> Fair comment. Now, Google, of course, they're working away on uh, on their things. But one thing they are doing that I thought was good and they made this announcement last week, was that they're improving the updates from the Google Play Store. So if you've got an app update for whatever it is, it used to be you'd basically pull down the whole new yeah. app from scratch, and now they're sort of doing deltas. So you would, you would in theory, just pull down what the difference is. So it might dramatically reduce the uh, the size of your, uh, your downloads. I can see that being handy if you're out and about on mobile and you're yeah. wary about your data. When you're on Wi-Fi, it doesn't make as much of a difference. But if it speeds up the processing, cuts the time in half, then uh, that's probably not a bad thing. No, it's good. It's, it is. It is a good thing. I mean, I would like, I would like Google to pay a little bit more attention to updating versions of Android. <laughs> but that's another thing, I suppose. Well, hopefully, this is all all just part of heading in the right direction, yeah. there, Bill. And they will work out updating Android and. You know, it's it's a it's a more good consistent move. basis for uh, for people on on a mix of devices. And we've all we've all been somewhere where your um, where your phone's suddenly telling you you need an update to proceed, and you're thinking, do I have enough data on my plan left to do it? We've most of us have been in that something like that situation. So yeah, it's a good thing. Now, what do you think of uh, of malware, Bill? <laughs> Wouldn't want it in my house. No. <laughs> so there's been a, there's been a, a bit of well, there's always seems to be a lot of activity in in the area of cybersecurity and malware and trojans and you know all all of these sorts of things lately. And um, one of the ones that I thought was uh, was a was a bit worrying is we're starting to see. Bits and pieces, and it's not starting because these things have been around for some uh, some time. But there was a report very recently saying that um, cyber criminals are uh, silently sp- spreading uh, banking trojans by bundling them with legitimate downloads of a remote access tool, A M M Y Y admin, Amy admin. Uh, this is through from uh, Kaspersky just seems to be a continuing worrying trend we heard uh, we heard things around team viewer running into some uh, some security troubles a little while ago doesn't really seem to end does it no i've been doing some work i mean while i've been away from the podcast one of the things i've been doing and one of the things i actually do to make a living is um, write white papers for tech companies and i've been writing some white papers in the security space in the last year or so and dealing with quite a, I mean most of the stuff I deal with is enterprise level rather than and, and this probably isn't enterprise level but um, the threats that are appearing are starting to become way way more sophisticated 
and the approach of the virus, the the, the um, you know the malware um, developers, if you like, um, they're professionalizing in ways that probably weren't anticipated. Um, and one of the things that people can talk about is this idea of a kill chain, where there's you know someone finds a vulnerability. They sell that vulnerability to someone who's got a way of getting past the vulnerability and it goes on and on and on. It's usually about sort of eight or nine steps in that. Um, the, the vulnerability for most businesses still is that endpoint security. I mean, it's endpoint security is, is not the cutting edge of security at the moment for um, the security vendors because they like to have you think that it's all wrapped up nicely, but it's not. This is obviously, a, you know, demonstrates just how it's an ever-changing arms race. Yeah, well, the the material I read on this um, was quite curious in that, you know, basically by bundling it together with the software, um, there's that thought that systems administrators um, or, or anyone who might have administrative rights on a computer, but, you know, usually that would be an administrator in a, in a business or a corporate environment um, would possibly just click through and allow this to install yeah, because, because they think they're installing something uh, legitimate and not well, looking that, closely at exactly what's what's going on. That's what it does. What it does is it's, it is that it pops your your malware detection will pop up with you know something's been detected and you think no 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 this is exactly what I wanted to load onto the system and just click through. You're right. That's exactly that's exactly the problem with what's happening here. Um, I don't know. I mean, the thing is, is that we is that we just start, we have to start being really paranoid. One of the other um, nasty bits of malware that's been around recently is this thing which can um, turn up in um, images which people download onto Macs, and um, it turns out that the um, that you know, auto processing of images is a vulnerability. Well, who would have guessed? You know, I always thought that images were the last thing that were going to be a vulnerability, but. No, apparently not. It's, apparently, it's when it's when they are um, automatically resize the thumbnails and so on. You hand control over to the um, system. So, yeah, we've seen some quite quite unusual uh, issues recently. There's um, uh, the perspective of I think it was uh, Semantic who, you know, as a security company, you sort of think, oh, yep, they've got all the bases covered. And then there was a, an element that they were using to, I think, to unzip to or uncompress uh, files to sort of scan them. And uh, that particular piece, they were using the same bit of code that had been around for years and years and years, and it had been discovered that it had some issues. And uh, yeah, they they were using this uh, this dodgy piece. So uh, uh, since that's came to come to light, I think they've uh, they've they've addressed that. But uh, you're right. I mean, it really can be anything. It can be a PDF. It can be an image. It could be a, a, a font. Um, and it causes, you know, if it causes a certain sort of thing to uh, trigger because it's maybe malformed in some way, then uh, then away you go and you potentially can uh, take a system over. So You've just got to be paranoid. I mean, unfortunately, <laughs> it's not a healthy state of mind, but there you go. No. Well, it's certainly uh, generating uh, lots of business on the side. And there was a new uh, new report that has come through from, uh, from F-Secure, which is quite a fascinating read actually and in it basically what the what they did was they um they got themselves trapped with with some ransomware and they went through and basically loaded some ransomware onto a a particular computer i suppose and then followed through the instructions and their report highlights the experience of dealing with these uh, these ransomware uh, companies oh, effectively yeah. and Highlights how how incredibly sophisticated that they are, and uh, how some of them, are, you know, the the customer service that they offer is absolutely stunning and incredible, and the quality of the the user experience and and dealing with them, whether you can negotiate uh, with them to reduce down the price of what you have to pay to uh, to get your data decrypted. Uh, it's absolutely to, fascinating. So, yeah, one of them tells you how to buy. How to buy Bitcoin as well? Yeah, they, um, they run you through the process, tell you you know how, where, where you can go locally to yeah. uh, to sort that out. But there there was quite an interesting revelation, and that is it's uh, you know it was claimed through one of one of these chat sessions, and uh, supposedly the uh, the person who was uh, was chatting was in Canada, but I mean very hard to know which of the facts were true. But this particular 
agent uh, that was was handling the customer uh, service was uh, claiming that they had been working on behalf of a Fortune 500 company and uh, that they were hired uh, by the corporation to um, cause disruption to uh, to the day-to-day business of a competitor and the the purpose was was to lock files to uh, delay a, uh, a particular production uh, timeline and to get their product into the market first it's a plausible story i mean i've heard of similar stories I was at a um, conference last year in Australia where we had uh, one of the guys speaking was a, I think he was ex um, one of the US um, security services. I can't remember if it was CIA, but it was one of those one of those you know three letter acronym security services in the US. And he was saying that they estimate as much as uh, forty to fifty percent of all of the activity online is by state actors. In other words. Um, government, government sanctioned, if not government organised, and it's not necessarily the governments that you might imagine. I mean, obviously, the ones that you would imagine are involved, um, the North Koreas and um, and so on. But the um, but there are other governments which are actually quite respectable, um, or at least have a respectable reputations, who are very actively involved in these things. Um, but as much as, as I say, much as forty percent of the activity could be from state actors. And he says the other thing is is that when a lot of people who are um, security professionals, not necessarily defensive security professionals working for state organisations, um, where do they go when they leave their jobs? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the interesting. The was, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so there's definitely um, that's definitely turning into a major industry, um, and it's it's. You know the other the other thing that's been talked about recently is just how much um, we've been underestimating and underrecording the size of the um, online crimes. There's been some talk about that in the UK in the last um, week or so. That apparently um, uh, cybercrime in the UK is probably two to three times um, what is publicly discussed, um, and it's starting to appear as a line item on some businesses' accounts as a as a cost. So. Yeah, what a world we live in, eh? Yeah, it's it's not it's not ideal. Now, in the past, you know, we've always heard from a particular segment of the the user community around where you know uh, systems that are less likely to uh, to get attacked, and uh, uh, Macs were were amongst those. But um, you know, we've been seeing a really a bunch of issues that have been um, that have been hitting Mac uh, recently. And uh, one of them was uh, malware that um, opens up a backdoor and um, provides access to uh, webcam. So yeah. it's um, it's not all as simple as it once was. No, no. And I think the thing about the thing about Mac is that Mac, uh, even now, a lot of Mac users are quite complacent about um, malware. Um, I've got malware tools on my Mac. In fact, I've tried all of them. I think in the last year. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I actually, I'm not qualified to tell you which one's the best. But most of the time, the viruses and the things, the vulnerabilities that they show up are ones that are aimed at Windows users. I mean, I, I'm getting dozens of Windows-focused um, malware appearing in email and so on. But um, um, just occasionally, there have been some real vulnerabilities turn up on the Mac. So, you know, it's happening. Yeah, um, well, this particular um, backdoor.mac.eleanor, I think it was, uh, was, was dubbed, could basically uh, provide attackers uh, you know, full control of a computer. So that could be the webcam, it could be access to files, email, whatever. Uh, really, they could just take, uh, take, take full control. Now, Apple have actually done some quite good stuff in terms of the way that they've secured things. And of course, now by uh, by encouraging app distribution through their official app store, um, you know, over time as more transitions to that, things will get a bit simpler. But reality is today, uh, most people are are installing apps from uh, from other sources. And uh, well, there's actually you know, a movement amongst app developers in the Apple space to, to to move away from the app store because of the charging models. Um, it's I mean, I think it's probably too long and complex to get into right now, but 
the guts of it is is that Apple decides how much you can charge, what you can charge, when you can charge, and takes a slice of it. Thank you very much. And a lot of developers, they're not that it's not that they're worried about Apple taking a cut. What they're worried about is not being able to charge uh, recurring fees and so on, um, and having less control over their price structures. So there's been a lot of debate amongst Apple developers about moving out of the app store and, and some quite high profile apps have moved out of the app store in the last year which is security risk of course so mm. yep there's uh there is a bit of a concern from that perspective you got to say when you hear these these sorts of things going on uh now acquisitions seems the tech world is always full of uh, full of acquisitions but there's been uh, been a few notable ones in the in the last in the last week or so last week and we didn't get a chance to actually cover this on last week's episode but we heard uh, news of um, of ARM being acquired. Now, Bill, you might like to explain to users who who or to listeners who uh, who ARM is for those that aren't uh, aren't across them. It's a it's a it's a British company which they're I suppose in a way they're like a virtualized chip company in that they come up with chip designs and so on, but other foundries build them build the chips. Um, they're the they make the processors that are in phones and tablets mainly and very light lightweight machines um they i think they grew out of acorn which made the original bbc micro i think that's their history that goes it can stretch back to that era um, which was probably 30 35 years ago it's where i started in the computer business yeah 19, 1985 they were uh, founded and originally uh, the acorn risk ma- Machine yeah. was uh, was what they were. I think it's um, my old friend called. Chris Curry was one of the people. Um, I used to know Chris back in the day. Um, anyway, the, they they've been bought by SoftBank now. SoftBank is a Japanese everything technology kind of corporation. At one point, SoftBank owned Ziff Davis, the uh, publishers of PC Magazine and so on. Um, and SoftBank is the biggest phone company in Japan. I think I think it has network investments and so on. But what SoftBank has been quietly doing is buying up most of the intellectual property behind smartphones, and this is part of this is one of those moves. Um, SoftBank's been actually buying other assets, which put it into that space, and. It's, I, I'm not suggesting there's anything sinister about it. What I'm suggesting is it's actually quite clever that they're 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 building a um, a smartphone tablet technology powerhouse, mm. um, and that they will own a lot of the intellectual property that's in those devices. Yeah, the uh, the ARM um, based processors are in something around ninety five uh, percent of smartphones, yeah. so. Uh, it's everywhere, basically. I think Huawei uh, make their and, own chips, and, but that's um, about it. Yeah, but they're still they're still predominantly ARM yeah. ARM based chips, yeah, aren't they? they? Are. So they are, um, yeah. yeah. So when when you look at your iPads, you know, I mean, Apple have obviously got that. You know, they acquired a, a chip company, but that company was using uh, basically using the ARM te- yeah. technologies and uh, li- licensing the ARM technology. So um, yeah, you've got lots of manufacturers, the Samsungs, Apples, and, and and many others that are using these these technologies, and it's it's become the norm. Uh, Windows RT was the um, uh, operating system that ran on the uh, was it the Surface that's, RT that was right, that was, was ARM based, yeah, and, which uh, was the big barrier for Windows that they couldn't get at, that Microsoft couldn't get Windows onto an ARM processor. Yeah, they managed to get it on there, and yeah. uh, and then they, they they gave up to a to a degree. I mean, obviously uh, Windows. Mobile runs on uh, runs on ARM chips, but uh, yeah, look, um, Windows RT was underrated. I think it was it was a better product than we sometimes like to remember. Well, it's not not much use anymore, is no, it? No, no, no. <laughs> so yeah, so the, there's that one. Yahoo, what's happening with Yahoo? Well, Yahoo is Yahoo's been dying for decades, really. I mean, for the last. 20 years or so or not up sorry the last decade or so yeah yahoo's really been about its ownership of a large slice of alibaba um which it almost had by accident i believe um i did some work with yahoo about 10 years ago interviewing their development people for uh, some stories and it was pretty clear that 
even though my job was to interview them on their development and how you know how great Yahoo development and so on was, it was pretty clear that Yahoo was at, even at that stage running down its um, investment in developing fresh apps and so on. Um, and it's been that way for a long time. I mean, you've got to you've got to remember that if you go back um, to the nineties, Yahoo was there before Google and bigger than Google for a long, long time. It was where you went when you started your internet journey back in the day. Um, and for a long time, Yahoo was a search engine as well as a directory. So, uh, so it's a long history. Just goes to show you how fast things churn in this business. But what's left of Yahoo is very little. But the one thing that is of huge concern to people in New Zealand, or many people in New Zealand, is Spark uses it for its um, mail. And so if you've got a Spark, or rather an extra mail address, then you're actually on Yahoo Mail. Yeah, and you know we've said for some, some time, I think, on the show uh, that we would recommend people avoid internet provider free email services well look i don't anyway think many, for, I don't for think a bunch of reasons will be on. Uh, the, the people it's not the people listening to the podcast that are going to be on extra it's their mothers and their you know the, the people that are not geeky in their family who will be um be there um and it's a surprisingly large number um there's there's tens of thousands of new zealanders that still have those addresses i mean somewhere deep in the bowels of my of my computing there's an extra address somewhere and every so often a piece of spam comes in uh, through that extra address but nothing genuine comes in anymore oh okay yeah oh well that's the uh, that's the nature of things so anyone if you are still on a yahoo address or you know somebody that is then uh, you know it is it is worth uh, making making a change um and it's maybe not as painful as what people think the i guess the the you know main concern is if you've got people out there who might still be holding on to that address and that's the only way they could possibly get hold of you. But I would I would think um, you know these days it's reasonably easy to get hold of people and most people are across social networks uh, like Facebook and uh, LinkedIn and so on. So depending on what type of contact it is, uh, that's something that you should be able to uh, should be able to address. I would I would I would tend to think. I mean you can certainly put. Uh, you know, forwarding in place and pull these, uh, you know, pull mail uh, through into another system. But if you actually want to fully uh, cut that email address off, which is uh, is the ideal position to get into, particularly if you want to be flexible with which internet provider you're using and you don't want to pay an extra fee to uh, to keep an old email address going, then uh, you kind of just have to uh, chop it off. I, I've actually gone the opposite way, and I've I've actually gotten out of most of those social media. Um, things because I was I was beginning to find that they were too unwieldy. So people would message me in Facebook, and I wouldn't look at Facebook for two weeks. And suddenly there's all these invites to things which have been and gone. Is that why you didn't turn up to my last party? Is the that... uh, the drinks the other week? Uh, no, I'm, ki- I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Well, no, I, see, I, I would have got hold. Uh, of well, me. you say that, but there are things that, like that that I've missed because I because I I don't go to Facebook because it was a rabbit hole. You know, yeah. you, you spend too much time there. And I was quite disciplined about not going there. Go there two weeks later and there's invites to work events and so on, which I've missed. And I just thought, well, who would who would use Facebook to invite someone to a work function? Well, you'd be surprised, you know. Facebook's kind of that universal communications tool. Now we've got Messenger. It sort of replaces SMS. It replaces phone calls. It, yeah. uh and and that's one of the problems we've got now is there's so many ways to do communication. It's fragmented. Yeah, you know, I, I get communication sometimes where I've had a chat with somebody and then I'm thinking, I remember a communication with that person, but I cannot find it. Which platform was it on? Yeah, yeah. You think I, it was over email and it wasn't, or you think it was in Messenger and it wasn't. And, um, yeah, and I had to join Slack for yeah. something recently and I thought, cracky, another one of these to monitor. It's just it's just out of control. Um you know there are tools where you can consolidate and run them all through one central thing, but it's it's a mess. I mean, really, and and that's the thing. We we kind of people talk about emails having had its day, but it's still the most universal, the most basic. You know, and and so send someone an email. I mean, it's ridiculous. People will ring me up and say, "Did you get my email?" Of course, I got your bloody email. It's just, it's, you know, they always. Get, I mean, it might be in my spam folder, but <laughs> the email gets through. It's, it's not a. It's, 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 it's the Pony Express. It always gets through. 
Facebook Messenger, uh, Twitter, those things doesn't necessarily get through and doesn't necessarily get through in a very timely way. Um, so, yeah, I think we underestimate how important email is as that sort of fundamental level of communication. Certainly from a business perspective, I oh, think yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's still a pretty essential tool. I mean, I could work. I'm, I, my work wouldn't stop if I didn't have any social media, but my work would definitely grind to a halt without email. Yes, I think it. Uh, yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty essential. Not as much as it used to be, no. and and particularly for internal communications where people are are using tools like you know Slack and yeah. and you know, mean, varying better. other things. For that and, kind of communication, they're actually better tools. But mm. yeah, but now um, one one more acquisition, and this one's actually been com- completed. The other two are you know ones that have been been talked about and so on. Is that uh, Marka Metro? Here in Auckland, uh, they've got about 20 staff, and they started out developing apps for uh, for Windows. Uh, when when the new user interface for uh, for Windows, I think with Windows 8, was being called uh, the Metro user interface, and they've um, they've grown to about 20 uh, 20 people. Uh, they tell me that uh, they're expecting to uh, continue growing um, since the acquisition and potentially could see 30 people um, in the team in, in Auckland in the you know in the not too long-term distant future and potentially even uh, operations in uh, in the US and UK but they've been uh, they've been acquired by um, a UK based group and it's uh, it's listed where is it listed I think it's a company called the Marketing Group PLC. That's British, then. Yeah. And um, yeah, the PLC seems to suggest British, but they're listed maybe in Sweden. Um, so it's a publicly listed firm there. So yeah, quite quite interesting. There's a few details about that on online. I had a, a chat with the uh, local head of uh, Mark, Marka Metro, um, who we've had on the uh, on the show before. And got a little bit of sort of feedback from him on it. He seemed uh, seemed pretty pretty pleased about the uh, the whole thing, and you know seems to um, see there being quite a good opportunity being part of this uh, this bigger entity, um, which also required acquired another uh, local firm. I think just about a month ago they acquired uh, Rainmakers, which is a um, a digital marketing uh, services firm uh, in Auckland as well. So they seem to be going around and doing quite a few acquisitions at the moment. The amazing thing about Marker is Marker Metro is when they originally launched, they pinned their colours very much to the Windows Phone mast, and um, you know to survive what happened there is actually quite an achievement. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's a that's a fair point because um, yeah, there hasn't been as much demand for I mean Windows Phone apps, but they make because, beautiful Windows apps mm, for the mm. phone as well. They were really good. Well, because they've been uh, they've been developing using uh, tools that that allow the creation of uh, of cr- cross platform apps. It's it's meant that I think there's been some good opportunities for them because it's more efficient for people to work with uh, an organisation such as Marka Metro that can basically generate an app that'll run on full blown Windows, uh, an app that'll run on iOS, an app that'll run on Android, it'll run on Windows uh, Phone if if needed. I think the uh, apps can even be uh, can be built for uh, for Mac for full blown yeah. Mac as well. I think they can. I th- I'll, I'll say there's a very interesting metaphor there because. It's like people that come from small countries where almost no one speaks the language are usually good at speaking lots of other languages. Yes. And, um, and in effect, that's what's happened with these guys. But, um, yeah, the, 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 um, the, my word, the, um, the Windows phone was actually it had a beautiful user interface. Um, and it was, and the, the, mar- the uh, uh, Marker Metro software, that some of the Marker Metro software I saw in the early days was, was made beautiful use of that interface it was very you know really impressive yeah and you know i think uh keith patton and and, and his team there at marker metro you know have have built some good relationships probably you know initially off building for uh, for windows i know they're working with uh, i think disney studios there yeah um they've done a lot of games work uh, they've I think done, they did done the, apps the newspapers here. Yeah, well. I think ASB Bank locally and and in New Zealand. 
Um, so there's there's quite a number of local organisations, and and I imagine maybe the publicity of this will actually probably win them a bit more local business because uh, a very large percentage of what they've done has been uh, you know has been export rather than uh, rather than so much local business. But you know with their their work with the Xamarin technology, which Microsoft acquired earlier on in the year, you know I think it really does make for uh, quite efficient app development across uh, across multiple platforms. So yeah. uh, good on them. Now, so that was on the acquisition front. Uh, Air New Zealand, we mentioned at the beginning, so um, they uh, now have permission for people to uh, leave Bluetooth turned on from uh, woe to go as far as their flights are concerned. So you can turn on flight mode, but you can still uh, uh, leave your Bluetooth enabled. That's, uh, a, that's a problem, though, because flight mode switches Bluetooth off. Yeah, but you can manually go in and, and trigger to manually turn on Bluetooth or, or, or Wi-Fi, so... Uh, you can turn on flight mode and then uh, turn turn Bluetooth back on again on uh, on most devices. When this was announced, my immediate reaction was that I mean I must have flown I don't know a hundred times and probably half the time forget to turn my phone to flight mode. Not because I'm want the plane to crash or anything. Not because I'm arrogant and think that those rules don't really apply to me. But because I just what what are you saying about me, Bill? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just thinking it's just because I you know didn't remember to turn my phone to oh, okay you're such a good citizen I, I must admit there there would be at least once when I've left on uh, Bluetooth or Wi-Fi yeah. knowing that it's it's not a you know being very 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 and I don't know how many times I need to add that in there but being um, you know at times a million uh, confident that uh, that having that turned on yeah. is not going to cause the uh, the plane to crash well you I mean know. if they were they would be scanning people and, and yeah. checking devices exactly. and there wouldn't be there wouldn't be options on other airlines to have Bluetooth on and to have Wi-Fi on, exactly. and even to have uh, mobile on, so that you could send text through the uh, enabled mobile service, three G type service, actually on on some planes. So. I have a really amusing story about this. Back in the day when Morris Williamson was the Minister of Communications, I was on a flight um, into Wellington when Morris's phone rang. <laughs> so we land. You know. Oops. Yeah. He answered it, didn't he? I remember, yeah, I remember hearing did. about yeah, that yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. it was, um, was it was kind of amusing. But that was back in the day when we were taught to believe that the plane could drop out of the sky if that happened. Well, probably so. in those days it could have. I, I mean, I remember in the in the very early days after I think Vodafone had just launched in New Zealand as, as Bell South, and uh, I was uh, I was in a room and we were we were testing out this new product called Windows NT, which was in beta, and it came on. Uh, Something like uh, thirty or forty floppy disks, yeah, yeah. and uh, we were testing it ahead of uh, ahead of its release on a computer, and um, with sort of surprising regularity, this computer would uh, would crash, blue screen or whatever it did at the, at the time. And uh, I remember one of my colleagues uh, saying to me, he "said oh, Why don't you just take that uh, fancy new GSM phone uh, that you've got there, Paul, and uh, and and take it out of the uh, take it out of your office and put it somewhere else?" Yeah. And what he had noticed was because you would hear this kind of buzzing noise yeah, if you like had computer speakers or speakers you around. Still hear that noise, but not not to the sort of same extent. You'd you'd get that as it would do its kind of search thing or whatever. Yeah. I don't know how often it was. Every twenty minutes, every half an hour, something or other. And sure enough, we we moved the phone to elsewhere in the building or we turned it off, and the computer stopped yeah. uh, stopped crashing and uh, I think the case maybe had been off the computer because of something that was being you know done inside I'm, I'm not sure of the details but uh, early uh, early cell phones yeah if they could cause a computer to crash um, who knows what they might yeah. have done to to a plane and uh, in some some of those days I don't know um, so yeah t- times have probably changed for for uh, for the better there um now, sad news that we heard this week, um, 42-year-old uh, tech entrepreneur Tony uh, Lentino uh, passed away after a battle with, uh, with cancer. Now, he, uh, he had a, a domain provider called Only Domains. I think he sold it uh, late last year for, uh, was it something like $35 uh, million? Um, and uh, he, he sort of got, uh, a lot of people came across him uh, through his involvement in motorsport um, and uh, his uh, um, the financial support that he provided to uh, to Kim.com um, after Kim.com had initially got into uh, 
uh, into some legal woes. And then they fell out, I believe. I, I seem to remember. Yeah, I don't yeah. don't know the details of that, but um, yeah, that's very very young to uh, very young to die. Um, other news: um, Elon Musk has shared his uh, master plan part two, um, which interestingly includes developing uh, electric semi trucks. Now, this actually makes a fair bit of sense to me. Um, there's, I mean, there's a few things that he that he's talked about getting into, you know, more broadly into uh, uh, well, into the area of public uh, public transport, but. The, the trucking area, uh, and I think it was Brett last week that highlighted some figures, that there's something like th- three and a half million truck drivers uh, in the US. Um, that's, a, that's a huge number of people. That's and, a lot um, of unemployment coming. As, as we move <laughs> into this world of autonomous uh, trucks, um, you can imagine that uh, Tesla wants to make sure that they're in that market because that's, uh, that's, a, that's millions of... Oh. Very high or very expensive um, gadgets that, of course, they would like to have a, a well, a, yeah, a, a good slice of. I, I, here's here's what I was thinking when I when I saw that story. Um, it's one thing to move a ton of metal in a Tesla saloon around the place with batteries, but forty tons. I mean. Don't you need a lot of battery to move 40 tonnes around? There's been a lot of debate online around, is this possible? How will they do it? Do, will you have to be putting lots of batteries in the trailers? Yeah. And the trailers themselves would um, would have to, and trailers probably isn't the correct technical term when referring to um, to trucks, but no. anyway. Um, but And that they would, um, that they would maybe be... Uh, uh, you know, have their own uh, motors in them, so it's it's not just the uh, um, you know the front of the truck where all the, all the grunters, but That's you actually true, but would uh, would so, share so, that around. Even so, there's a there's there must be some sort of uh, weight to power ratio thing going on. That's I mean, I, I just saw that and I thought, mm, okay, there must there must be some technology that he's got that's coming, um, which would make that a practicality. The other thing that um, it slightly concerns me about things like my master plan. Is don't you make that sounds a bit like a Bond villain to me? I just, <laughs> I just get this image of someone sitting there stroking a white cat, saying, "Well, Mister Bond, you've disrupted my master plan." You know, it's um, it's a bit concerning. But but seriously, well, he, he does have a, he does have a lot of uh, uh, followers. But I I wouldn't have um, certainly yeah the the. The villain isn't the um, isn't the way you would would have naturally thought of uh, uh, him before, but uh, yes, this term master plan um, yeah. could could lead to that sort of thing. It, it's, a, it's, it's just a bit weird, but yeah. the, but seriously, the I mean, what what's coming out of Tesla is exciting, and the, um, the battery technology and so on is I it's for for all my adult life, I've been waiting for better batteries. Um, it's been, you know, the it's been a barrier to so much for so long. I mean, even now, when we come to things like um, smartwatches, I mean, smartwatches, you know, a day is just not enough. A smartwatch has to go for thirty days between charges before it becomes really useful. Um, phones, but charging once a day, well, we're kind of used to it, but it's still a pain in the butt. You know, it's. Well, the problem is when uh, when they don't last a day because you need yeah, to use them a lot more. I know. We we battery to develop better batteries to drive cars, to drive trucks, and so on. Well, you know, more power to them is <laughs> more power. Very to good. Them, very yes. good. Very good. <laughs> But he's not making a profit yet with Tesla, is he? Which is, no. I mean, I guess we're we're quite used to that sort of story with these these types of uh, firms, and they're uh, you yeah. know they're often inv- investing into uh, is Amazon into, making a profit in, yeah, into the so. long term. Oh, Amazon makes a buck or two, I think, from time to time I, these no, days. I think but, Amazon uh, has never. But they they didn't used to. I think yeah. they're making some very small profits these I days. Think they might be, but you know, yeah. But that's that's taken twenty five years almost. So, mm. um, so yeah, well. That's the new model. Mm. So, I, I mean, I'm I'm very curious around how um, how Tesla would do in the area of of public transport. The idea of taking on Uber and uh, you know providing sort of uh, 
you know, buses and 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 so on. I mean, there's, there's a lot of discussion around these topics on online, and you know, really, we're going to have to sit back and actually just see what they manage to uh, pull off. But yeah. in terms of what they've, uh, you know, what they've done so far, I think they've they've done uh, some some pretty incredible work. And as you say, around the uh, the battery developments, um, you know, they're they're putting in um, some some pretty incredible work there and uh, if that continues and they can keep coming up with new innovations and uh, making uh, you know these bigger lithium uh, batteries uh, more and more broadly available in our homes and uh, and other places then uh, hopefully that will be uh, that'll be good as long as we don't end up with too many uh, batteries that are having to end up in uh, in landfill so yeah, uh, I mean, there's, there's, there's sort of a flip side to, uh, to to having so many batteries floating around as well I'm no chemist but I imagine that the at some point we've got to move off of lithium with batteries but that's another thing entirely um the other thing about uh tesla that strikes me is that it must have some kind of business model where it hasn't been taken over it would have been normally someone came along with those kinds of technologies they'd be taken over at a very early stage by the likes of toyota or nissan or whoever um that hasn't happened it doesn't i mean it looks like they're getting to the point where they're too big for that kind of takeover activity now well, you know, there was that speculation is this the sort of thing Apple Apple would do. Yeah, and, well, Apple's uh, probably got the dosh. You know, so, I mean, Apple could afford to take over virtually, well, probably any company in the world um, that uh, doesn't have somebody with a, with a huge amount of control. Now, Elon Musk, of course, does have a, have a significant uh, amount of uh, control in terms of his, uh, his holdings of... Uh, um, of of Tesla and uh, and then of course Tesla has announced that they will be acquiring his um, his other um, firm in the energy space, which is um, uh, Solar City. So uh, yeah, there's um, there's some curious things ahead. I saw somebody suggesting that these uh, that these trucks might have uh, solar panels on uh, on top of them to uh, to help provide. Uh, energy, although that's uh, that's not super uh, efficient no. just yet, and uh, would only provide a very small amount of the uh, the power unless you're willing for your uh, trucks to uh, wander along at uh, you know a mile or two an hour or well, something. Well, yeah, so, but uh, you know that might be an efficient model to run to have them running quite small. I mean, in the reality is is that um, uh, internal combustion engines are actually more efficient at slower speeds. So. Um, in, in terms of fuel use, so um, there might be some that might be taken into account. Mm. Wouldn't be very good for getting fresh chicken to market, but you know something that's not doesn't have to be there fast. Mm. Mm. But, um, yeah, and um, also in the area of um, vehicles, um, Ford announced in the US overnight that. Uh, they are in all of their 27 models being sold uh, into the US at least. Uh, they're incorporating their Sync uh, 3 technology, along which will include CarPlay and Android Auto support. So, even if you buy the cheapest car that Ford will sell in the US market, along with you know varying other things like trucks and uh, and so on as well, uh, you will just be able to plug your smartphone straight in and get access to uh, to all their uh, cool. Um, smarts in terms of infotainment bits and pieces and uh, you know linking up to your uh, google maps on your android or your apple maps and uh, and your uh, your favorite podcast app on your uh, your ios device and yeah i think that's um that's a pretty cool move because in the past uh the likes of um carplay and android auto have sort of been you know more in the in the premium vehicles and uh yeah, there seems to be a, a regular thing for Ford is to make you know a slightly higher end technology uh, much more accessible. Now, what we don't know is quite how quickly and how long it will take for that to filter down into markets like New Zealand and Australia, uh, where sometimes they're not quite as uh, as competitive as they are in the in the US market, but uh, they certainly seem to be pushing things along in the right direction. So, yeah, Ford we'll, doesn't have a very big share in New Zealand though, compared with the US. So. No, not well. Yeah, no, I mean, in in the US, of course, they're a, they're a local company, yeah. and uh, here we're we're uh, we're used to the Japanese, uh, yeah. you know, manufacturers. Although they've done uh, they've done very well uh, with the Utes amongst the uh, the rural community, and um, you know, they've they've done actually, yeah, they've done done you know pretty pretty well probably over the last little while with some of their uh, some of their vehicles here. 
So um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll keep a watch on that, but we haven't got an official uh, confirmation um, in terms of exactly what's happening around that in New Zealand. But uh, it would certainly be good if if you know all of their vehicles were uh, were treated in the same way uh, here as they are uh, in the US. I'm sure that will uh, that will come in time, but uh, it's a good start anyway. Good good to see the tech sort of rolling out, and of course they've got all their varying safety uh, technologies and. Uh, Adaptive cruise control type uh, type things as well. Not quite the same as uh, as what comes with um, um, some of the uh, the Tesla options, but uh, but still not not too shabby. So yeah, um, I think that's us for this week, isn't it, Bill? I think so. Yes. Yeah. Oh well, thanks for uh, for coming in and uh, and chatting through what's happening in the tech world. Again, it's great to uh, great to catch up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you too, Paul. Cool. Now, where do people track you down online? Because you seem to be publishing uh, pretty constantly um, on your uh, your website, varying uh, news coverage and uh, and commentary and bits and pieces about average internet use by uh, users in New Zealand and, and and varying other stories that are you know of, of quite a lot of uh, local interest. It's yeah, it's actually taking off at the moment. Um, traffic on the site's going ramping up for some reason I don't know probably time in the market or something um, yeah that's billbennett.co.nz with two N's and two T's um, and you can get me on billbennettnz on Twitter um, I don't really spend much time in any other social media as I've already mentioned so, so email's probably the, uh, if you the need best me. way to track yeah, you down phone yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean yeah. for heaven's sake pick the phone up and talk yeah 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 <laughs> excellent excellent well you can you can track me down uh um, also, uh, Twitter, Paul Spain, um, across any of the the uh, the, the social uh, social networks, and uh, as I've mentioned before, I'm starting to do a bit more uh, around Facebook. So uh, I'm doing sort of a few bits of live streaming from events and uh, and whatnot. Uh, Facebook.com/slash Paul Spain, if you want to follow me there. Um, and yep, you're welcome to uh, email me or, uh, or or call me as uh, as well. Uh, email. Uh, the shortest one to get me at is paul at spain.nz alright well that's us for this week so uh, thanks everyone for listening in again and uh, hopefully we're back onto a bit of a, a regular uh, schedule again now there's a bit of disruption there with travel and, and other things but thanks for staying with us and we'll catch you again next week alright cheers Sam. see ya the New Zealand Tech Podcast brought to you by Gorilla Technology proactive and strategic IT Thank <laughs> you.